Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. I want to dance with you. I want to dance with you your way at the Pan Pacifics. You've been dancing with a girl for two years, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. but... And they've come up to me who's been dancing since I was six years old and you say, you want to dance non-federation and convince the judges at the Pan Pacific Grand Prix with three weeks to train? Yeah. I don't think so. Just give me a try Look, go home. Just one hour. This is very embarrassing. I, I just need a chance. You are going to wake up tomorrow and feel like a real idiot about this. Do you want to dance your own steps or not? Look, a beginner has no right to approach an open amateur. Yeah, well, an open amateur has no right to dance non-federation steps, but you did, didn't you? That's different. How is it different? You're just like the rest of them. You think you're different, but you're not, because you're just, you're just really scared. You're really scared to give someone you a go because you think, you know, they might just be better than you are. Well, you're just pathetic and you're gutless. You're a gutless wonder. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Absolutely. And we've had to pause our regular season due to COVID-19 lockdown restrictions. So thank you for joining us for our Fred Watch lockdown special. From all across the beautiful state of Victoria, I'd like to welcome back Kendall Richardson. Hello. Fulia Kandamachi. Hello. And joining us for the first time, Michael Lister. Hi. <laughs> so, Wayne, what are we reviewing today? Well, today we're reviewing Baz Luhrmann's Razzling Dazzling 1992 romantic comedy, Strictly Ballroom. Please explain. Frustrated with conventional moves and competitive ballroom dancing, Scott Hastings, Paul Mercurio, causes a stir when he displays his innovative and flashy steps. Denounced by Australian Federation head Barry Fife, Bill Hunter, and dumped by partner Liz Holt, Gia Carides, Scott finds an alternative dancing partner in the awkward Fran, Tara Maurice, and together they set out to win the Pan Pacific Grand Prix Dancing Championship, even if their moves aren't Strictly Ballroom. The first of Baz Luhrmann's Red Curtain trilogy, Strictly Ballroom became one of the most successful Australian films of all time, taking a staggering $80 million worldwide against a $3 million budget. But Kendall, did you do the Bogo Pogo for Strictly Ballroom? <laughs> I was wondering how that question was going to be phrased, and I am very happy with the phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that little Bogo Pogo moment. That was great. Yeah, so this was my first viewing ever of Strictly Ballroom. I am a fan of Baz Luhrmann's work, but I have only seen like Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge. Uh, and I think, yeah, The Great Gatsby as well. You can really see his autoristic style kind of show like very early on with this debut feature of his. And I, you know, I really, really like that. It's the beginnings of an illustrious career for him. Yeah, and I remember when this film came out when I was a kid. Like, it's one of my one of my earliest memories, I think, of Australian cinema is strictly boring, even though I never watched it. I just remember Lovers in the Air everywhere <laughs> in 1992, thanks, JPY. An amazing song. For some reason in my head, I had it, it featured maybe a bit more in the film 
than it actually does. I mean, it comes in at the end, obviously, but that's probably just my my weird childhood memories trying to resurface. But no, this was a this was a really nice film. I really really enjoyed it. It's very, I guess it's very like it doesn't break the mold in terms of tropes, in terms of the genre or anything like that. But I really like what Baz Luhrmann brings to it. I like what this cast brings to it. You know, I really really loved Tara Marisa's Fran. I thought she was excellent. How she kind of had this understated ugly duckling moment that kind of. You know, didn't really blossom, blossom because, you know, she was already beautiful anyway. But I really just, I don't know, her performance was just really nice, how she was so endearing and and sweet and honest and, like, I don't know. I just, I, she really took took my fancy in this film, that's for sure. Bill Hunter is so great, though. Like, he is an absolute Australian legend in, uh, in cinema and acting. And I always find it just nice and comforting when I see him pop up on screen because I know I'm going to be in for a good performance and he doesn't disappoint you know he's playing this mustache twirly dancing villain I suppose I mean not not entirely fully cliche there's a bit of I don't know I really there was a that really nice scene with him and Paul Mercurio Scott Hastings um, when he's you know trying to convince Scott to actually you know do what he wants and not for him to dance his own steps um, and he, you know, makes up the story about his father. But that scene, for some reason, he really had me convinced that he was being genuine. Like, usually it, that scene is a very kind of common trope in, in films like this, when, you know, you have someone who's trying to steer the main character away from where they want to be. And, yeah, it, was, it wasn't really one of those obvious over-the-top... I mean, at least for me, unless, you know, I can be naive sometimes, so maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I thought that was a really nice, genuine scene. Yeah, no, it's beautiful film. I really enjoyed, and yeah, I just... The costuming as well is just fantastic. And again, another trademark of Baz Luhrmann. Nice to see Catherine Martin's name popping up here. They, they've worked together, I think, on every film that he's directed, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I just love the whole aesthetic of the whole thing. The yeah, the and just the way that Scott and Fran look together at the Pan Pacific Grand Prix at the end. That those outfits are just to die for. Especially that jacket that Scott wears was I couldn't stop staring at it. I thought it was brilliant. So, Mike, were you razzled and dazzled by the film? Uh, yeah. It's a, it's sort of an interesting movie. This because. On the whole, I can appreciate it being a, be- a piece of Australiana and it has like impacted Australian culture as well. Of course, when we get uh, Strictly Ballroom, we get, we get all those uh, sort of tropes of Australian cinema uh, popping through and it's, uh, and it's very reassuring see- seeing that. I mean, especially with the flamboyant sort of aspect of Australian cinema like you can always mention Muriel's wedding you can you can mention um, uh, Priscilla all the all pretty much lock into the sort of 90s Australian cinema and it definitely fits in fits in there I do get <laughs> I was about to say I get razzled I get razzled dazzled with, <laughs> <laughs> with Baz Luhrmann um, with Baz Luhrmann it's it's not a, it's it's not that I don't like Baz Luhrmann. I I do expect the sort of Baz Luhrmann film. Like every director has their own 
their their own style and their sort of niches and I, and I do I do uh, I do like his movies. Probably the only movie that I've seen in the cinema. Oh, sorry, two movies I've seen in cinema Australia. But when I saw um, Great Gatsby, uh, I didn't expect it to be so colourful and loud, and it sort of drew me out. <laughs> drew me out because I was so so weighted down by this huge spectacular thing on a big screen and then I realized maybe I would enjoy it more on a smaller screen so, <laughs> so I can actually so I can actually watch it so yeah it's very interesting the characters in it it's definitely it's definitely the ugly duckling uh, scenario with Fran mm-hmm. almost like a Billy Elliot sto- story with uh, Scott uh, Paul Mercurio and oh can I say I love Paul Mercurio in this. It's probably the only thing that he's well known for, but uh, funny enough, Paul Mercurio is sort of like a hero for me because his hometown is my hometown of, yeah. Swan, of Swan Hill. And I really want to see if I can get onto the Swan Hill Council and say, hey, we need a statue of Paul <laughs> Mercurio yeah. in uh, the main street because it's Paul Mercurio. Come on. And, yes. And funny enough, Paul Mercurio is my first stepping stone for. Uh, do, do you remember the six separations of Kevin Bacon? Mm-hmm. Ah. Yes. Paul Mercurio is like my first notch on that. Ooh. It goes me, Paul Mercurio because of Swan Hill, uh, <laughs> Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> Baz, Luhrmann, Baz Luhrmann directed Australia, which had Hugh Jackman in it. Ah. Hugh. Hugh Jackman did a cameo of Wolverine in X-Men First Class and in First Class had Kevin Bacon. There you go. <laughs> hey, you, well could even, you could possibly even specify it even further if you knew like someone who worked at the tuck shop that you <laughs> used to go to that he also used to go to. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Philip that's exa- that's kind of how it works more than than uh, what Michael was alluding to, but Michael, I'm going to let you have your connection to Paul Mercurio and Hugh Jackman and all the beautiful humans in between. (laughs) So that's great. (laughs) Bill Hunter, God rest his soul. Mm. Pretty much the soul of Australian cinema. It's not an Australian film if if it didn't have Bill Hunter in it. True. Mm. Yeah, and it was quite upsetting when when he passed on. But unfortunately, (laughs) the last thing that I saw him in was in uh, in, uh, the grain in a Grain Waves chip commercial. And he says the infamous line, Grains don't grow up to be chips, son. (laughs) If if you remember that ad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was Bill Hunter. (laughs) And and that will be his legacy. (laughs) (laughs) Grains don't grow up to be chips, son. I do like this film because, because of the significance. Sure, movies after this has sort of did the trope bit more justice you could sort like i can't remember the first time i i watched this movie so i'm probably at a little bit of a disadvantage of trying to think of what sort of analysis would i come up with uh, if i was fresh watching this and also the first of the uh curtain trilogy Mm. the red curtain trilogy yeah so uh, overall overall good vibes for strictly ballroom from you yeah And and your connection to paul mercurio yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that's going for it is Paul Mercurio. 
funny enough, I was trying to think of what he what he does now, and he's sort of semi-retired, and now he and now he has a couple of cookbooks and a collection of meat rubs. Ooh. Yeah, so you can get meat rubs. You can have chicken meat rub. You can have beef meat rub. Got some relish. Nice. Yeah, bit of a small plug. <laughs> I love. I absolutely love your support for Paul Mercurio in the film and since the film. <laughs> but Julia, did you feel the love in the air for Strictly Ballroom? Oh, I did. This is my first time actually watching Strictly Ballroom, and I loved it. I wasn't expecting to love it so much either. Well, because because I've heard a lot about it before I actually ended up watching it. And then when I did watch it, I was just, I was floored. (laughs) (laughs) I love the music in this, to be honest. Like there was a a mixture of pop music and your regular style ballroom music. And then the Latin music that comes in. I love the Latin music in Latin dancing. It is so much fun to listen to. And I will also say out of the dancing styles... The Pasadoble is my favorite. Mm. <laughs> it's a very strong, very powerful dance, which is what I loved about the fact that Scott Hastings had his own way of doing it, but then Fran's father's like, nope, that's not a Pasadoble, <laughs> and just proceeds to teach him how to do it properly. Uh, there was a nice little, uh, little appearance by Todd McKinney and Sonia Kruger, yeah. As uh, Nathan Starkey and Tina Sparkles, respectively, I had. <laughs> I when I was watching it, I could tell that Todd McKinney was was Nathan, but I could not put the the name to the face of Tina Sparkles. And then I look up the name, and it's Sonia Kruger. I'm like, holy crap, that can't be right. Fulia, <laughs> Fulia, not sorry to interrupt, but I had the reverse. I recognised Sonia Cruiser straight away and didn't realise that was Todd McKenney until after the film was done. <laughs> Can I actually, I'll give you a little, um, little anecdote there about Sonia Kruger as Tina Sparkle. I was seeing her interview Sandra Bullock once on one of the morning shows that she was doing, and I forget the context. I think it could have been maybe when um, Sandra was promoting Miss Congeniality. But, you know, Sonia had happened to mention that she was in, you know, in a movie where she had to be all dazzled up. And Sandra, being so beautiful and polite, is like, oh, yeah, what, you know, what movie were you in? And Sonia's like, oh, I was in Strictly Ballroom. And Sandra just, like, starts to gush with enthusiasm how much she loves that movie. She's like, oh, I love that movie. Who did you play? And then and then Tony's like, oh, Tina Sparkle. And then Sandra just explodes even more, like starts fangirling. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. I have to see this. she was opposite Tina Sparkle. And I just thought that that was so gorgeous. <laughs> that is beautiful and so That's pure. Awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, sorry, Fulia. Um, go, go on with your review. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just when I when I saw those two dancing and apparently that Nathan was retiring, I was just like, oh, wow, okay. And no wonder, you know, Todd McKenney, Paul Mercurio were judges for the, the Australian version of, you know, uh, uh, what is it called again? Um, dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the first sort of rendition of it when it, was, when it first came out. They're amazing dancers. I could not, like, it just blew my mind. I felt really bad for the father 
uh, Scott's father, Doug, he, man, like you could tell that he had a love for dancing, Mm -hmm. even if he didn't look like the pro that he is. I loved his little moments where he was always just putting on the music and just dancing on his own. Um, yeah. it, was, it was sort of bittersweet and mm. I kind of felt sorry for him in that sort of sense because the wife was always telling him to like be quiet and go go tell your son what he's doing wrong and all that sort of stuff. And it just, yeah, like I felt so bad for him. And then especially towards the end when that whole, that whole story was revealed, I'm just like, oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful. It is a wonderful film. I was not expecting it a, an Australian classic like this to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And Philip, did you get up and dance for this movie, my friend? <laughs> I know you like to shake your tail feather. I do. I do. <laughs> Look, I actually I, I rather enjoyed this and I didn't think that I would starting to watch it. I, th- I was thinking, oh, this is just... Because, uh, Mike, you said that, you know, it sort of follows in that sort of Australian film tradition. And I very much was getting that Australian low-budget film vibe. But again, no, no problem with low-budget, but that almost always seems to follow that same trope as, you know, oh, the larrikin, the underdog, the everything's going to work out in the end through some over-the-top thing. I mean, you get that with Muriel's Wedding. Um, it's similar, a fairy tale. Yeah, the fairy tale. That's actually, that hits the, uh, right on the head, mate. And I like them at a distance. I like the idea of them, but I always find myself watching them going, oh, for crying out another one. And this had all those elements but there was just something about it and I still can't quite put my finger on it that made it different to the others and just made it enjoyable to watch I sort of put down in my notes you know it's the Aussie comedy version of Footloose and yeah to sort of start to, to try to unpack all of that I loved the editing I loved how it the cut editing and again that sort of idea of, oh, we know who the bad guys are because they're sweaty and we, we have ugly shots of them coming up from underneath them. Mm. It's far too close up, all that sort of stuff. And that sort of, again, that changed a lot. You know, when you thought the father was a bit of a, a bad guy, he was a bit sort of close up. But once he was seen as the hero or the, the underdog there, he started getting the slightly wider shots. He was nicer in frame. But none of this stuff that usually bugs me and annoys me because it's, I won't say lazy, but definitely overused rhetoric. It was pleasing in this. It was, it was, it was almost comforting in this particular show. The choreography, obviously, absolutely amazing. Just like you said, Fulia, from the times that they're learning the new dancers of Fran's mother to them in the actual ballroom doing their own thing. Even the dancers who were meant to be the bad guys were good at what they did. The whole thing was beautiful there. The costumes were wonderful. 
I actually felt it. This was almost Wayne. You might remember um, when we did "Oh, What a Lovely War." Yes. Yeah. So within that, the scenes where they're singing, oh, well, a good example of it is when they're actually singing "Oh, What a Lovely War." Mm. The scenes where the generals and the people behind the lines are shown. It, this whole movie felt like it had that sort of heightened, again, Mike, you hit the, it on the head, that heightened fairy tale feel. Mm. And normally I would struggle with this to get through this sort of movie. I love Moulin Rouge, but I can watch it once, you know, once every few years. I found Australia uh, tricky to get through. If you're looking at other movies like this, that fairy tale, yeah, yeah, Muriel's Wedding, it's enjoyable, but for me, only in small doses. Um, Dimbula is one that came to mind as well. They're great films, and I cannot say they're not great films. Far from that. Just for me personally, I struggled to have them in any form of dosage. And yet this, I found really comforting, really pleasing just really almost warm to watch so yeah i'm really interested through this discussion to try to figure out what it was that made this different from the rest mm-hmm. yeah yourself wayne what were you uh, what were your thoughts yeah mate well it, it's it's funny that you, you were saying that you know that there are elements that you're maybe struggling to to wrap your head around but yet it's still all positive and so forth and having seen this movie and i've seen strictly ballroom a few times but it's been a really long time since i've seen it and i was wondering how i would feel about it especially we've been reviewing films for quite a while now and we go in mm. you know we're quite analytically and and, and critically and philip uh, you and i being the the regular hosts of fred watch you know usually we'll bring a movie that we love and end up um <laughs> either loving it more and standing up for it or realizing okay maybe it wasn't such a great movie to begin with <laughs> Yeah. But I really had to think about this movie after I saw it because, look, it's difficult for me to hide. I absolutely love this movie. And I was thinking after the credits had rolled, I've gone, okay, I had a problem with this. Oh no, but then I understood why that happened and why that makes sense narratively. And I understand the choices from the writing and I understand the choices from the directing and the way that it's shot and filmed. And any time I actually tried to come up with a genuine critique of the film, I found myself being able to address it and answer it and understand why choices were made. So I understand what you mean, Philip, and, and maybe any anyone else who might be like, Ooh, there's something about it that shouldn't work, but it does. And mm. I feel like the whole film yeah. is like that. From mm-hmm. start to finish, yeah. Yeah, it is. Because, mm. as we've all pretty much said, it is an extraordinarily familiar story already. It's been done plenty of times before and after it. There's a lot of tropes. Ugly Duckling? Absolutely. David and Goliath? Yes. You know, we've got the troubled protagonist, the temperamental protagonist as well, who sort of, you know, comes good and and who has his own struggles. All of these different things. But it works. And it Mm. works because Baz Luhrmann makes it his own. So one of the things that I learned pretty much day dot when I was at university and learning about writing, about creative writing, you're told every story has been told it's up to you to tell it like nobody else. 
And mm. that is what Baz Luhrmann does here. This is him saying, I've arrived, I'm here. And he's not a seasoned director at this stage by any means. So he co-wrote the play that this movie is based on, based on his own experiences in learning to dance when he was younger. So it's a very personal film for him. Also, he knows how to tell a story visually. You've all said it. It's the costumes. It's the way it's edited. It's the way it's shot. It's the way it's framed. It is an extremely heightened world. And it works in its favour because it elevates the comedy. The fact that we begin the film almost like a documentary where Mm. we're watching this ballroom dancing happening, we pause, we cut to interviews, and people are talking about this thing that Scott's about to do, Scott's about to do. We hear from everybody, essentially, except for Scott himself, because his dancing is going to tell that story, and also it's not a big deal to him. But what this does as a story point of view, because these types of cutaways, uh, interview-style cutaways are never repeated in the film. It's just in the introduction within the first several minutes. But what it does is it quickly introduces the main players in this story, leaving the most mystery about Scott. We're going to have to learn about him as he goes through this journey. And Fran is introduced too, but we're going to learn more about her as well and see her literal development as she develops as a dancer, as she develops aesthetically, With every passing day, her skin is that little bit clearer. The glasses are disregarded. The hair is neater and more conditioned. The way she dresses improves. The way she dances improves. Her confidence improves as well. Her journey is very much unfolding in front of our eyes. Scott's is a bit more subtle as well because his is more internalized. But we know who all these players are at the very beginning. So then when the movie really sort of kicks off after that intro, we know where everyone stands and we know what they're like. Especially Pat Thompson, who plays Shirley Hastings, uh, Scott's mum. I love her performance <laughs> so much. It, talk about yeah. stage mum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. And also the fact that, you know, she's very domineering over her husband, Doug, played by the brilliant Barry Otto as well. Barry Otto! Yes. Just <laughs> so, so wonderful. I, I just love their dynamics as well. I love that Gia Caridis as Liz pretty much shouts, hollers, and screams her way through this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. It is so over the top. It is absolutely brilliant. And... She has one of my favourite moments. It is such a brilliant gag, right? Is when she says that she just wants Ken Railings to come in and say, Pam Short has broken both her legs and I want to dance with you. We yeah. cut to this hilarious <laughs> car accident. And then so, you know, stoic and heroic, Ken comes through the doors and says so flat, so dull, so so underplayed and understated. Pam Short's broken both her legs and I want to dance with you. And it just gets me every single time. It is so brilliant. <laughs> it's one of my favourite moments. Yeah, car crash ex machina. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's just so many different barriers to Scott and Fran's development 
as first a dancing couple and then to them as a couple in a romantic sense as well. But everyone's got all their good intentions. One feels for most of the people involved, maybe Barry Fife, played by Bill Hunter aside, everyone has good intentions here. But I love the message of this story. I love that living a life in fear is a life half lived. And Doug is an example of that. And we notice this from the beginning of the film, and probably you notice it more in hindsight and repeated viewings, is that when everyone is talking about how Scott essentially has brought shame on the, <laughs> on the, on the local community by um, making up his own steps and dance moves, is that his father, Doug, is sort of always there in the background and is always trying to have these moments where he wants to talk to Scott, but is easily dismissed or ignored. And it isn't until the very end when he raises his voice at Scott and forces Scott to listen that Doug was on his side from the very beginning and encouraging of Scott making up his own moves. And I think that that is absolutely gorgeous. For me, there is just so much to really love and enjoy about this film. Again, there are elements that probably shouldn't work, but whenever I try to justify them, I'm easily able to quash them because everything that happens in this film happens for a reason. It makes sense in terms of a cohesive narrative. For example, we see that moment when Scott's just been told by Barry about his father's past, about making his own moves. It's a lie, but we don't know that um, at that stage, and neither does Scott. And then we see Scott go through his father's old memorabilia. We then cut to the actual Grand Prix, and Scott's dancing with Liz. Now, generally speaking, you would have a scene where Scott's breaking that news to Fran that he's not going to dance with her on the Grand Prix. But Lerman saves it for that beautiful confrontation between the two. Why? So we can actually see Fran stand up to Scott and to genuinely show how far she has come as a person. And again, just choices like that aren't made by conventional directors and through Strictly Ballroom Lohman shows he is not a conventional director mm. and he would then prove that with the films that he's made afterwards um, yeah again just so so much to love about this movie but I am wondering Kendall did you have a particular favourite moment line or performance in Strictly Ballroom? Hmm yes well I have many uh, <laughs> but I wanted to give an honorable mention to the fact that I had no idea that my name was going to be featured so heavily in this film <laughs> and I never see my name in anything so when I when I heard this guy was called Les Kendall and it was Kendall's dance studio I was like oh my god <laughs> So, so you're foreshadowing just, the movie gets an extra star automatically, yeah? <laughs> no spoilers, Wayne. No spoilers. Um, no, I just thought that was really cute. But as for the film as a whole itself, like I, I really did enjoy, like Wayne, a lot of what you said is mm. a, a lot of my favorite moments. Like I really enjoyed that introduction to the world, the way it was done in that mm. documentary style. I loved just the quick edits with that. The way it was kind of yeah. set up for the whole thing, it cuts back and forth between Scott dancing with Liz and, and you know, his mum and his dad and then Barry Fife and everything. Like, yeah, it just I love that whole setup. It was such a good 
way to introduce the characters without exposition dump. Mm. Like, it was just done in such a nice, mm. kind of clever way, I think. Um, and it really helps to set the tone and the visual style of the whole film as well. I, I really enjoyed the sweet moment where Fran and Scott are dancing on the roof at, of the studio for the first time. And I... Look, I don't, I don't like soft drink. I hate Coke, but that sign was gorgeous. <laughs> right? How amazing it was, was that sign? Yeah. Oh my god, it was gorgeous. Such I read nice the, backdrop. I read some trivia. Yeah, it was such a nice backdrop, and I, I, I read some trivia that apparently they had to pay a lot of money, like they had to beg Coca Cola to let them keep that sign in the actual film. Mm. Um, thank, thank God, because it's so, it's so gorgeous. And I believe it's actually used yeah. in another. Baz Luhrmann movie as well so iconic yeah oh that doesn't surprise yeah. me yeah yeah it's really really pretty but I think my favorite dancing moment if I had to pick one I mean I love all the dancing I'm a big I'm a big dancing fan I love to dance um but if I had to pick one it's when they're dancing to perhaps 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 mm. behind the curtains and everyone's watching from the wings as they're just you you're watching them properly fall in love for the first time uh, especially Scott because you know we've obviously seen the way Fran looks at Scott throughout the film and I love like I always loved watching her face and the way it would kind of glow when she gazed upon him it was really nice but that those moments when they were dancing they were just fully you could tell they were fully feeling it and it wasn't you know it didn't feel choreographed it didn't feel staged it felt so natural and beautiful and the song was a perfect fit for the whole thing I just really that was probably my favorite part of the entire film. If I had to, if I had to pick one, that would be it. But my last moment I wanted to mention, just to also tack on to what you were saying, Wayne, about Doug and him finally getting through to Scott at the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah, I really love, I really love, like, you. everything you just said and the way you said it made me like this movie more now. <laughs> <laughs> you were very passionate about it, and I really, really like that. And, you know, it's made me appreciate it even more, but... You know, the fact that I, I just love how Doug, like, he says to Scott, he's like, we had the chance, mm. but we were scared. We walked away. We lived our lives in fear and the way that echoes and the way it hits Scott. Mm, yeah. And then he just, everything changes in that moment for him. And he, he you know, realizes he's, what he's doing is right and he's going to keep on doing it. And I just love how the whole film is kind of summed up in this moment because of, you know, how Fran says that, a, you know, a life lived in fear is a life I've lived. Mm-hmm. And she's always calling Scott the gutless wonder. Like, I just, I love Such this whole kind of... Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It is. But I, lo- I just love the way that this whole theme of fear of being true to yourself and who you are in your passions and what you do is just, I love how this whole theme kind of ropes and ties together nicely at the end. It just really elevates that that final moment. And the fact that, you know, there's no winner for the Penn Pacific Grand Prix, like mm. at least that we don't see declared. It just kind of becomes a free-for-all dance floor and... I just, yeah, I know. It's just a really nice way to end the film. So those are my <laughs> favourite moments of, of Strictly Ballroom for sure. Yeah. How about yourself, Mike? Did you have a highlight or two? Yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, sort of the ending is it's sort of like a moral victory, mm. <laughs> you could say. Yeah. Um, good old, good old Aussie. Ah, we got there at the end, sort of. Ah, whatever. We, we had fun along the way, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's a he's an award for participation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the sort of Scott dancing by himself after everything has happened and he's downtrodden, he doesn't have a partner, 
he does he he does his Kevin Bacon footloose thing, mm. uh, dancing in frustration. That that was particularly fun to watch. In this movie, is sort of um, it has these scenes that may go on a bit too long, but it's sort of deserved because we're sort of it's more character driven in that way where we actually get right in. And I think that da- dance sequence of just him is the character building of where this character is at this present time. And it's only, say, 10 minutes in the film, mm. and it's right there. Yeah, with the uh, Footloose analogy, I would call it the opposite of Footloose, where in Footloose no one's allowed to dance, where he's allowed to dance, but he has to dance this certain way. Mm. So it's sort of dance this way or else you're not dancing. Mm. So, mm. so it's all... It, yeah, it's the Australian Footloose because it's upside down. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also like that sequence as well because you get to see, only for a brief moment, a sneaky camera in shot in the mirror. So uh, watch out for that. You don't really see it much in Australian films. A successful Australian film where um, one of the main characters is not white Australian, mm. basically. So dealing with that sort of thing is also interesting as well. Considering for a 90s film, where that particular subject isn't really on people's minds, especially back in the in the 90s. I mean, well, interestingly, Michael, this movie was released the same year as Romper Stomper. If you want to talk about yeah. different cultures colliding, <laughs> yeah, I was go- I was going to say, but because I couldn't re- couldn't remember if it was before or after, but it was the same bloody year. Yeah. Jesus. I like Romba Stomper, but it needs more um, dancing. <laughs> um. <laughs> hey, you know, look, Philip and I have already had our podcast review of Romba Stomper. We're not revisiting that. We didn't agree on anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Neither did David Stratton. So, you know, oh. yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah, I will not. Yeah, he will not uh, <laughs> review that movie. Yes, can't grade um. it. <laughs> Fulia, how about yourself? Did you have any... Favourite moments, lines or performances? Yes. My favourite moment of the film was pretty much when Scott goes running after Fran to ask her to be his partner back at her house. Mm. And then the father confronts him and then pushes him away and tells him to, to, to scram, pretty much. And he's like, we're just dance partners, nothing else. And then he's like, you dance? And then he's like, yes, I, I dance the, the Paso Doble. All right, show me the Paso Doble. Mm-hmm. And then he dances the Paso Doble with Fran and Fran's family members are all like laughing at them because apparently that is not a Paso Doble. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was also like really nice moment to see that the father wasn't going to fight him, but in a sense dance fight i suppose mm. and be like that's not a paso doble this is a paso doble and then <laughs> just shows off <laughs> and i love that and then from there you see scott just with the the rhythm going through him he's mesmerized by the way of the dance and the music going through and then after that that scene itself was for me was just inspiring and just like mesmerizing even for me Mm. (laughs) i really enjoyed that and i i love dancing with a rhythm and especially because i used to dabble in a lot of 
playing musical instruments back in high school. So I kind of understand where they're coming from with the whole rhythm thing. And so with dancing, it's the same concept. And <laughs> that little moment where Fran's mum comes up to Scott, he starts unbuttoning his shirt. <laughs> oh, <it's> her <laughs> grandmother, yes. Oh, the grandmother, yeah. yeah. Hey, she's not wrong uh, about his body, let's be honest. I know, I was, yeah. I was agreeing yeah. with her, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, I, we all were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, Paul hey, McC- Paul Mercurio was hot stuff back then. Holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> yeah you should see him now. He looks like a—he looks like one of his meat products. He still oh. looks—he still looks gorgeous. Fulia, carry on. <laughs> hey, didn't I say before I do love him because he because he's a, a Swan Hillian? Yes. <laughs> Fulia, carry on. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and just the whole point of that scene. And then he's, and the father starts teaching him how to dance the Paso Doble. It was, it's an amazing scene. That's probably my favorite moment of the film. My favorite line, I'm going to have to say, there was a couple. It's sort of like, because they intertwine, and uh, Wayne, you've already mentioned this before when you were uh, talking about it. The, when Fran says, um, you know, a life lived in fear is a, a life half lived. Yeah. But then towards the end, when... Scott's father shouts at Scott that we walked away. We lived our lives in fear. That is just really like, it really hits you Mm. when he says that. And then, you know, with Scott then realizing, Oh my gosh, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I should just dance the way I want to dance and with who I want to dance. So that for me was very, very lovely to sort of come together and yeah my favorite performance is the moment when they start dancing the Paso Doble at the end yeah <laughs> that and especially after even after the music gets cut and they continue where everybody's clapping to a rhythm mm-hmm. that was amazing I love that performance it is such a great dance for me and Kendall you're right his costuming, you know, Fran's costume, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I yeah. love it. Mm. I want that dress. <laughs> <laughs> she looked, she looked wonderful in that dress, and yeah, yeah and the gorgeous. way that the dress flows when when they're dancing is just so awesome. I love it, and the fact that Scott is wearing Fran's father's costuming, that that sparkly gold jacket that he's got on. Mm-hmm was Fran's father's jacket when he was teaching him. Yeah. So, mm. so good. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And Philip, what were your highlights or um, the standouts of the film? Yeah, sure. So for me, it really does come down to the editing as a whole. And I realize that's not a particular moment. It's more of a concept. Mm. But yeah. the just, again, the way they were able to really keep the momentum of the whole show moving throughout its peaks and troughs even with some of the stuff I mentioned earlier you know that oh you can tell the bad guys because it's got the ugly shot but it was done well it was done very Mm -hmm. well I think I'm with Mike a little bit in the sense the end sort of got a bit funny for me there but again that was literally just because again it was that whole 
And it all worked out in the end because of heightened reality. And and clo- and clothes curtains. And yeah, that's and scene. But again, the whole uh, movie was not able to be ruined because of that. It just it was what it, it is. What it is. Yeah, no, just absolutely loved this film. Absolutely um, loved the editing, and yeah, brilliant. Well, for myself, look, it would be remiss of me to not mention the fact that this is a celebration of bogans and (laughs) (laughs) in such a wonderful way i absolutely love wayne and vanessa and their obsession with the bogo pogo (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and whenever they're on screen wayne especially um i absolutely adore (laughs) i I, this is always a highlight for me that Coca-Cola sign, as you mentioned, Kendall, um, and the, the rooftop dancing scene is such an iconic scene. And it's iconic not only mm. because of what it means for Scott and Fran, but also because of that Coca-Cola sign. It is by far one of the most iconic set pieces in Australian cinema um, because it is just so beautiful and also reiterates the mm. heightened world that we live in because it's not just a standard billboard. Yeah, it's this sparkle sequence <laughs> type thing. And yeah. And also in front of it, in front of the sign is a hill's hoist. Absolutely. <laughs> and how Australian is that? Yes. Yes. No, <laughs> yeah. it truly is. I mean, and the fact that like, you know, friends, family like owns a milk bar and, and things like that. I just love that it captures this this bit of Australiana in every single uh, main um, location, I suppose. Uh, but if I had a number one favourite moment, which I know is one for most people, it is the Grand Prix mm. at the very end. But most significantly, it is Scott's entrance in the Grand Prix. Yes, that slide. <laughs> oh, um, that slide was so good. <laughs> one of the most iconic moments in Australian film history. Scott slides across that floor and again, Phil, you've, you've spoken about the editing a lot. This mm-hmm. is where the editing is perfection because mm-hmm. what it does is it cuts away to different reactions of Scott's entrance. And this does multiple things. First of all, it actually makes his slide feel longer than it probably really was <laughs> to film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it makes it quite grand. But we see the impact, how it is received by people in the room. So I did say that Baz Luhrmann puts his own stamp on things, and this is him really introducing himself to the world. Why does Strictly Ballroom work so well? Yeah, it's a familiar story. We don't mind those, but it's told differently. And the way he even shoots Scott's entrance is done in a manner that others would not normally do. So I'll explain what I mean by this. Scott slides onto the dance floor, and then he sits up on his knees and Lerman leaves the camera where it is. So we actually cut Scott's head off. We only see him from the shoulders down. And then Fran enters with that gorgeous long leg and that beautiful red dress and she's framed from the shoulders down. 
the one thing you're taught in film school is that you never frame people at the joints of their bodies because it looks like decapitation. It is aggressive and, you know, it is almost a violent shot to have. And in such a, a majestical and wonderful and powerful moment, this is what Lohman does. Why? Because dancing is about the, the movement of the body. And we hold for just a very brief moment where all we see are their bodies. And then Scott drops almost subserviently to Fran and the dance begins. And it is so magical and it is so beautiful and <laughs> so incredibly well done. Again, most filmmakers would have just gone wide or would have gone for a medium shot or a, yeah. maybe even a medium close up. Not Lohman. The focus is on their bodies because this is the key to dancing. It's not what's in your head, as is reiterated. One of the first things Fran says to Scott is that his problem is that he's overthinking it. But it's in the body, it's in the heart, it's where you feel the music and the rhythm. And that's what this simple frame that lasts for like about a second, two seconds the most, demonstrates and emphasizes. And then they're ready to go into mm. that gorgeous performance uh, that is with music. The, the, the plug is pulled. There's clapping brought on by Doug to encourage the dancing to continue. The crowd gets on side and then they dance and then the music kicks in. And their bravery has inspired everyone to jump onto the dance floor and to freestyle it as well. So Scott's entrance <laughs> in, in, in the Grand Prix... <laughs> Just yeah. the way it is, just the way it looks, and just everything that it represents for that their whole performance is is my favourite moment of this film. We've talked a lot about Strictly Ballroom. We've we've dissected bits and pieces, but I think now it's time for our final verdicts. Kendall, your final thoughts and a score mm. out of five. Mm. It's that time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to give this a score out of five, but I'm going to think about it while I'm rambling in a summation yeah no I'm really glad to have finally seen this film I really do need to watch more Aussie classics I'm so I'm really glad that this was the film that we've done for our first lockdown special this is very exciting yeah it's it's just yeah it is beautiful as I said earlier it's it really is a sign of what was to come for Baz Luhrmann in terms of his career the brilliant film to start with yeah I just I, I don't know yeah it's 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 everything you guys have said, and I love that point. I think Phil, Phil, I think it was you saying how like this is this is such a film that's been done before, cliched and all of that. But there's something about it that you know makes you forgive that part of it, like the predictableness mm. of it. There's just something so in, there's something so endearing to these characters and this story and and where this has come from that really just makes you forgive any kind of cheesiness or any kind of predictability mm. in in terms of its story yeah i don't yeah, and i can't really put a finger on it either but yeah maybe it is parts of what everyone has kind of said just you know the way baz Luhrmann makes his choices with his direction and the way the actors give their performances as well like it's a really great cast i do love this cast it's really they're really really awesome really talented there aren't any weak ones among the bunch i love the over the topness it works the extreme close-ups they work yeah, I just, I don't know, I I have definitely fallen in love with this film, I can't wait to watch it again, and yeah, the dancing was just, just amazing, it's just incredible, and it, it's really, a really nice film to just really help 
someone who's artistic or creative or just anyone in life to just kind of, you know, don't be afraid to, to follow your heart and do what you believe is right, basically. It's just a really nice way of spreading that message with, you know, the power of steps and, and movement and and beautiful dancing and music. It's, yeah, so it's it's lovely. It's a lovely film. Um, God, am I to give a score? <laughs> I'm so tossed up between on the, on the score in this one. But I think I'm going to I'm gonna f- go with my gut because I'm not afraid. Uh, I'm going to give it a three and a half stars out of five. Lovely. And Michael, your final thoughts and a score out of five. Definitely did enjoy this movie. Uh, being a, an avid Australian film watcher, it's definitely in the top, top 20 of Australian films that I particularly enjoy watching. And watching again. Mm. I mean, there's certain ones that you... <laughs> You watch it once, and once is enough, and that's definitely romper stomper. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so overall, not the best, but it is uh, what sort of lets it down is the sort of um, because it's uh, because of Baz Luhrmann's first film. It's it sort of it, it, every director has the first time struggles, but you do see like elements that will that he continues on with his. Uh, his other films as well and you can definitely see see the the nuggets of of joy of of appreciation of the craft and also as you say Wayne mm. the way he films films the body is against the rules mm. but that's what rules are for they're for breaking and if they're broken just right you can get away with it mm. and I, I particularly love that I forgot to mention that um, the extreme close-ups of these characters are pretty full on like you can see like the paws in people's faces with and you, you can tell people are going oh it's too close too close it's like no this is this is this particular film and uh, i definitely enjoyed the especially the crafting of, of that and uh the reason why i like watching these on the small screen because <laughs> if it's on the big screen then 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 it's like ah <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, three three out of five for me. Brilliant. And, Fulia, what's your verdict for Strictly Ballroom? I would have to say that I really enjoyed this film. I don't know why I haven't watched it before mm-hmm. <laughs> or earlier in my life. I love films that are all about dancing and especially this, like, ballroom dancing and Latin dancing and that sort of stuff. And then there's like an element of a love story in between um, is really, really nice. I want to acknowledge the cinematography in this film. It is amazing. Wayne, you Mm. are right in the fact that the way that they're framed, like especially during the dance performances, the framing was important to Mm. tell that story. And it was just, oh, it was so good. I... Definitely would recommend this to anyone who wants to watch something about dancing and love. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd probably just go and watch it again, maybe maybe one or two more times, just to sort of pick out the things that I missed. Mm. But overall, it was it was such a a good fun film to watch, and I would give it a four out of five. Yeah. And how about you, Philip? Yeah, definitely caught me off guard this movie. So, um. I think that definitely got uh, rewatch value. It was warm. It was 
entertaining. For all intents and purposes, it probably shouldn't have been, but it was definitely a solid four out of five for me. Well, I myself am struggling to critique this movie. (laughs) And I know it's not a perfect film, but it is so damn charming that I am just absolutely bedazzled by it. I think that the characters that we have here, particularly the central characters, the leads, and in in some um, circumstances, even some of the more uh, minor and supporting roles, are just, again, just so charming and engaging and relatable as well. I am just, I don't know, embraced by this quirky world where dancing is king and what a wonderful (laughs) way for Baz Luhrmann to introduce himself to the world I think it still is my favorite Luhrmann film that and Moulin Rouge which I particularly like a lot but yes there is just something about Strictly Ballroom that is incredibly charming and there's something really just lovely and pure about it Again, every time I try to think of a critique so I can give an absolute (laughs) critical review, which is my job, I just find a rebuttal automatically. The film answers (laughs) its own questions that it provides. And it's just a lovely love story in, you know, small town Australia. And it's just, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful example of fairy tale Australiana. So... It's a five out of five star film for me. I'm just absolutely charmed by it. Nice. So we've all had our different thoughts and opinions on Strictly Ballroom, but we're in lockdown. <laughs> we have a lot of time to, <laughs> to, to watch things. So I'm looking for recommendations, folks. Um, Kendall, what's a movie that you recommend whilst in lockdown? Yes, well, I have been watching quite a lot of different films over the last few months. But one I watched recently that I I wanted to recommend on the show was a film from last year called Last Christmas. Mm -hmm. I usually don't like Christmas movies. Uh, I find them cheesy and gooey and no, I (laughs) to the point where I struggled to make a a top 10 Christmas movie list a couple of years back. But (laughs) but this film, it had the draw cards of, you know, an incredible cast led by Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. Especially Amelia, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, and yeah, and she's just an incredibly talented actress, and um, so I was really looking forward to seeing her in this. Emma Thompson's also in it, and she's she's great, she's phenomenal, and it's directed by uh, Paul Feig, who is one of the best comedic directors out there working. Most notably, directed one of my favorite comedies ever, Bridesmaids. Mm. So there's a really nice touch of humor in this film. It's a obviously yes, straight up romantic comedy. But it has such a heartwarming story at the centre of it that didn't really... It didn't come across as the typical cheesy, cliched kind of Christmas sort of story that I'm used to when I watch these kinds of films. I just, for some reason, it really struck a chord. And I, I probably hold that... I'll hold Amelia Clark and Henry Golding responsible <laughs> for really keeping me in with this one. They 
stole my hearts, both of them, their performances, and they have such incredible chemistry on screen. It was a complete joy to watch. It was just, yeah, absolutely lovely. And yeah, really funny and really moving. So yeah, a lot better than I expected because I I had low expectations going in, but I'm I'm happy I watched it. So if I had to give it a, a score out of five, I'd probably give it a four out of five for last Christmas. Definitely, definitely recommend checking it out. It's on Amazon Prime if anyone has that. So. Nice one. Michael, do you have a recommendation for us? Going off Strictly Ballroom, uh, if you do like, like this particular film, you can always do what <laughs> I've christened the, the Bill Hunter trilogy, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, w- which involves Strictly Ballroom, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Muriel's Wedding. Yes, Queen. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> if you like the sort of style, the sort of quirky humour in Strictly Ballroom, uh, definitely those. Those other two. <laughs> One particular movie that I would recommend as well, it doesn't have Bill Hunter, unfortunately, but uh, is a film called Cozy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't see- seen that, it's a, a C-O-S-I. And that particular film is based on a stage play, just like Strictly Ballroom, uh, but has got a lot of uh, Australian actors in it who were semi, semi-recognisable at the time, in 1996, but have gone on to do awesome in the US, like Ben Mendelsohn's in it, Jackie Weaver, Barry Otto, and also it, do- it has a cameo of... Paul Mercurio. So, there you go. <laughs> he's only here for a brief moment, and you probably won't recognise him, but, but he's there. Uh, those are my recommendations. Yeah. And what would you what would you give Cozzy out of five, Michael? Uh, Cozzy out of five, possibly four out of five. Brilliant. It's got the star power, but the story is sort of sort of a bit choppy. Okay. And also, it doesn't really hold up today because it's it deals with mental illness, and it's it, essentially it's it's a stage play that was written written at the end of the eighties, early nineties, but it's based in the seventies. So right. it it all takes it all takes place in a in an asylum. So it definitely has its sort of. Um, moments when it's dealing with mental health so triggers be warned right okay and Fulia do you have a recommendation I will always recommend a good Disney movie (laughs) (laughs) yes you will especially the Muppet films one of which that I watched recently which was the original 1979 The Muppet movie Mm -hmm. which I don't think I've ever watched before so this was probably my first viewing of The Muppet movie it is so nice to be able to watch the characters come to life but from the original voice artists like Jim Henson, Frank Oz, so good. Definitely worth the watch about Kermit going to Hollywood but being followed by a businessman who wants to use Kermit the Frog as the branding face to his Kind of like a KFC, but with frog's legs oh, no. <laughs> company. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Kermit the Frog is the perfect frog for, uh, for his brand. So, <laughs> so there's, oh, there's this little chase for Kermit 
throughout the film and it's it's so much fun um, we see all the other Muppets come together the first time that Kermit and Gonzo meet Fozzie and Kermit like have been friends for a long time but it is a lot of fun there's always something happening <laughs> you know all the little quirks all the little you know little action pieces so much fun and speaking of which not necessarily a film but still on disney it's called prop culture and it's about this one particular prop collector who goes around essentially around america trying to find original prop pieces from films and in this particular case disney films so he's gone around to see if he can find props from the muppet movie mary poppins who framed roger rabbit and he also brings the original actors in to show them their original costumes from the films that they wore, mm-hmm. which is really, really sort of nice to see them react to their costumes that they wore years ago. <laughs> they did one for Tron as well, like the original Tron film. And he's just trying to scour America to find these prop pieces so that he can bring them to the... I think the Disney archives and it's just amazing to see how some of the props, what condition they're in. Like a lot of them are still in pretty good condition, but then you see some that have been sitting in storage for so long that they've deteriorated a lot. And so there'll be, you know, moments where he'll want to restore some of the props, which is really amazing. But that definitely is worth a watch as well if you're really curious about props and scenery and stuff like that, like I am. <laughs> yeah, so what would you give that title out of five, Julia? Prop culture, I would give it a four out of five. It is, it's an ongoing series. I'm not sure if they're going to be... Like, I've already watched the episodes that are already up on Disney+. Plus. Mm. I'm hoping that they'll add some more later down the track. And yeah... Prop culture, definitely recommend. Yeah. And uh, the Muppets movie, what would you give that? The Muppets film, five out of five worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Love it. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Love me some Muppets as well. Philip, Philip, what recommendation do you have for us, mate? Yes. So I have a series and it's going to be fairly obvious to everyone, but Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Um, Yes, I agree. (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) You've not sat down to watch this. It is an animated series which fills in between Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith. And it's... They're just about 20 20 minute to half hour episodes in short form, but they bring such life and expansion to the Star Wars universe. The stories are... Yeah. Are, are, they're clever, they're heartfelt quite often, and they very much build up the universe as to... I mean, Wayne, you've heard me talk about how I don't like how Disney destroyed the extended universe. Well, this is part mm. of the extended universe that actually got saved. And it is pu- oh. because of the genius of the writing of The Clone Wars. It's actually just finished up its final season. And then it sort of moves on to Rebels, a, a series uh, called Rebels. 
but definitely I would say worth the watch and there's enough uh, out there that it should get you through all of lockdown uh, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years we're expecting you know <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would give the Star Wars the Clone Wars 5 out of 5 that was the one thing I was predicting was your score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, al- and also and also to uh, win you over, the uh, the main uh, writer for Clone Wars, he's also a writer for The Mandalorian. Yes. Oh, well, it probably, it probably yes. then explains why The Clone Wars is so good and comes with a stamp mm. of approval. One of the films that I've seen uh, recently and highly recommend you watch if you've got Amazon Prime, is a movie called Britney Runs a Marathon from 2019. And so in this, Gillian Bell plays the underemployed and underappreciated title character whose excessive eating and drinking habits start to take their toll. And when she learns that she's actually classified as obese, she decides to start running in order to improve her health. And that will lead to the title event. It's a gorgeous film. There's some laugh-out-loud moments here, but don't actually be mistaken in thinking that it's a riotous comedy. It was sort of marketed that way. It isn't. Instead, it's a film that's quite sweet, and it's about finding and expecting self-respect, and because of that, it's actually all the better for it, I think, than if it was just a full-on comedy about somebody who's large and who takes up running to, to lose some weight. There's strong performances across the board, and the film has a really lovely visual style. Britney Runs a Marathon is an incredibly rewarding film, and in my humble opinion, it's probably the most feel-good, feel-good movie of the decade. Four and a half out of five for me. Mm. Nice. Awesome. Good recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. If you need to pick me up, Brittany Runs a Marathon is a lovely surprise. Absolutely. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us on our Fred Watch Lockdown special. Yes, thank you. Yes, and especially for discussing Strictly Ballroom <laughs> with with us. Yes. And definitely if you... Yes, thanks for having uh, us. Pleasure anytime. And for our listeners, if you haven't watched Strictly Ballroom... Uh, I think we've given enough glowing reviews and reasons to definitely check it out. I've been a Philip Hunting. I've been a Kendall Richardson. I've been a Michael Lister. I've been a Fulia Cantaramaggio. And I've been a Wayne Stellini. And you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music! (laughs) 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 Oh yeah. I'm so outnumbered. Shut up, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Why does it sound? Why does it sound like the um, jizz from uh, from Star Wars? You know, from the canteen. Because it's Philip. That's why. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Blooper reel. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we review and review... Uh, what's the wrong there? Yep, uh, where we... Oh, because we usually see view and review. Oh, yeah, sorry, man. That's all right. 
So I saw the difference and then I was like, oh, okay, is there a reason that's different? Hey, sorry. No, it's just the dude who wrote it forgot it. (laughs) (laughs) Copy paste, Wayne. Copy paste. Uh, I, I know, and I don't know why it was different this time. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because I, I did copy paste. <laughs> Turns out it's been it's been uh, that way in all the other scripts. I've just been ad libbing it in. Yeah, well, that's probably the thing. It probably has been that way, but because we're so used to it now. <laughs> that's it. <clears throat> all right, we'll, from the we'll go- from the hello or yeah, we'll go from the hellos, mate. And we are joined today across the beautiful state. Not today. And we are joined from the beautiful state of Victoria. Nope. One more time. I've read this a few times before. Like, since I've written it, I keep fucking it up. (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners, if you haven't watched Strictly Ballroom, uh, I think we've given enough glowing reviews and reasons to definitely check it out. Or not. (laughs) We're not your dad. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. But listen to your dad. Watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, watch it. It's worth the watch. Yes. 